Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show. Today's Wednesday, hump day, September 21st, 2022. Uh, and we've got a lot of different things going on here. Look at that collar. That's uh, out of control. My collar is out of control. All right. Well, we've got a lot of great news today. Uh, the big news today, of course, is the um, lawsuit that was dropped today by Letitia James. Not dropped, filed today. Um by Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York, against uh, Donald Trump, his uh, adult children, and the Trump Organization, as well as a few other entities for fraud involving lenders, insurance, tax assessments, um, really the whole gamut. And she also uh, provided criminal referral, uh, criminal referral to the Department of Justice in the um, uh, in, in Manhattan, as well as a referral to the IRS for tax fraud and. Uh, you know, this is very interesting. We've been following this story quite, for quite a long time. She's been holding depositions. This was the deposition in which Donald Trump famously said that, uh, you know, famously took the the fifth uh, something like 400 times. And, uh, and, and the reason why is because Alvin Bragg in Manhattan DA's office has still uh, got an ongoing criminal investigation and he didn't want to give any, you know, he didn't want to inadvertently give any incriminating statements uh, there. Now, that's going to be more difficult to pull off in a civil lawsuit, which is probably why Letitia James is um, taking that approach. But it's still curious. And I mean, I, we haven't seen the full case. All we've seen is the indictment. And even that is somewhat um, dense and cryptic on some points here. But she's basically alleging that Donald Trump manipulated um, uh, assessments and appraisals in order to defraud lenders, the, his insurers, um, the property taxes, uh, possibly income taxes, all of which is, you know, certainly possible. There may be a case there. I'm not going to you know, necessarily poo-poo that, but it does raise questions, which I raised today. And I've, ra I've raised them before in this, which is if Donald Trump de defrauded his lenders, why aren't his lenders suing him? <laughs> I mean, the lenders aren't suing him because Donald Trump's paying the bills. He's paying his, he's making his payments. He's paid off a number of the loans that were, uh, you know, in question already. Uh, and so the lenders are whole. Uh, I'm not aware that there's been any insurance conversions on the basis of inflated appraisals, but if there were, again, the insurance companies would sue on uh, on that behalf. And the tax issues are a little bit different, right? Because, you know, obviously uh, that's more in uh, the standing of an attorney general, but I don't understand why the attorney general is suing on behalf of lenders and insurers that don't seem inclined to sue on their own. Uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense. It's a little, that's a little puzzling. Uh, certainly, you know, governments can um, sue uh, corporations and, and officers of corporations over unfair business practices. And I think that that's the framing that you see here. But unless you have actual victims that are willing to join the lawsuit, it doesn't make a lot of sense other than as a political uh, stunt. The tax appraisal thing is, I think, a, a little bit more of a tricky issue, but, you know, and especially when it comes to the IRS and income taxes, because generally those types of appraisals are self-reported, right? But not property taxes, which apparently is part of what Letitia uh, James is arguing here, which is that uh, he uh, misrepresented the square footage on some of the properties in order to um, either inflate assessments or deflate assessments, and that had impacts on property tax. But I mean, property tax assessments don't usually rely on self-reporting. Usually you have an assessor that comes out, takes a look, takes the measurements and assesses it at, at market value. And if anything, 
most people would complain that the assessments are too large. Um, nobody's going to complain that their assessment is too small, by the way. <laughs> I mean, nobody does that. Um, so I'm not sure what the mechanism here is for the property tax aspects of the fraud. Um, now, if there's income tax or, or, you know, or capital gains tax fraud, then that makes some sense. But again, the tax authorities that regulate that, that collect those taxes should have acted first. It's unclear to me why that would go to the attorney general in a civil action ahead of the various tax authorities and taking their own action. So a lot of this doesn't make a lot of sense, except in the context of politics. So I'm not saying that she doesn't have a case. It's got to go into court. If Donald Trump keeps taking the Fifth Amendment, he may lose by default. Um, and that's she's seeking $250 million as a judgment. This is again, it's not a criminal case. She did make a criminal referral to the Department of Justice. That raises another question. If crimes were committed in terms of property crimes, right? You were talking white collar property crimes, taxes, et cetera. They would have been, you would think that they would cross local and state laws first before they get to federal law. Because federal law generally doesn't, doesn't deal with local real estate transactions. Those are handled by local and state laws, local and state licensing boards, that sort of thing. So again, the, uh, ref the criminal referral to the Department of Justice when the state attorney general isn't pursuing criminal uh, charges on her own really smells more like a stunt. So something to keep in mind. That's the big news this morning, of course. Uh, there more news, of course, the, you know, the Russians are doing full mobilization or not, excuse me, partial mobilization. Uh, Vladimir Putin announced this yesterday and that has created a run on one-way tickets out of Russia. I'm not joking. <laughs> Reuters is reporting this. Number of uh, news agencies now are reporting that the prices on uh, flights out of Russia to, especially to non-visa travel countries like Turkey and Armenia, have gone through the roof. They're in the thousands of dollars, and in a couple of cases, tens of thousands of dollars. Um, you know, converting from rubles, and uh, and they're only going to go up higher because a lot of people want to get out. You've got demonstrations in the streets. AFP is reporting that there were over 200 arrests already being made uh, in demonstrations against the partial mobilization. Putin's really playing with fire uh, by, by, with this partial mobilization. And uh, at some point, he's, I mean, he's doubling down. He's talking about nuclear weapons now, which is extremely dangerous. He's already lost India and China, which were his two biggest trading partners over this. Uh, you know, last week, India, uh, India explicitly told him to make peace in Ukraine um, and uh, on, because it was ridiculous that um, Putin had gone to war in the first place. And while Xi Jinping was, you know, friendly, he made it clear that, he, that they really want to distance themselves from what Putin is doing in Ukraine. And the idea of a sovereign, a, a, a plebiscite on sovereignty is not going to sit well in Beijing because uh, that sets the precedent for Taiwan declaring independence. And I don't think that that's something that uh, Xi Jinping right now really wants to set a precedent on. Uh, Putin's in a lot of trouble. So those are the big stories. Of course, we're following all those stories. Got lots of great content coming up from Jazz Shaw, John Sexton, David Strom, Karen Townsend. Beach Wellborn's probably going to weigh in some, sometime today. She's doing fantastic. Hoping you're enjoying that. I'm going to be uh, doing the VIP Gold Chat. So if you're not already a member of VIP Gold, uh, you'll join up now. You'll find out how to do that at the end of the um, podcast here. And you can go back and watch all the previous episodes, including today's. 
And I'm also going to be recording my um, Amiable Skeptics. The Amiable Skeptics featuring Adam Baldwin. We'll be recording that this afternoon, hopefully re uh, releasing the first half tomorrow on Thursday, maybe um, the, the second half, either on Friday or Monday, depending on uh, timing. And uh, again, you on that's only VIP. So if you're a VIP member, not just v not VIP Gold, but VIP member, Hot Air VIP, you can access those as well. Hoping you're enjoying those. And I know that you're going to enjoy hearing next from Selena Zito, who gives us uh, the Middle of Somewhere report. Talking about John Fetterman, talking about what's going on in Pennsylvania, why Mehmet Oz is a better candidate than we actually think he is, and why he is actually building momentum in the Pennsylvania race. Uh, Selena Zito, also, I tried to get her to talk about the Steelers. That didn't go well. <laughs> We're going to get Selena on more often, and because uh, she's always a great, uh, always a great uh, conversation. Uh, um, uh, there's always a great conversation with Selena Zito. And uh, we always we, we really want to get her insight now as the midterms are getting closer and as the 2024 cycle starts to approach because she's the only person who's actually on the road getting us the nitty gritty from the campaign trail. Thanks for watching. Stay tuned for Selena Zito coming up next. Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Joining us today on the road, working hard, maybe the hardest working person uh, in, in journalism, my friend Selena Zito of the Washington Examiner, New York Post, CNN contributor, just basically, you yeah. know, all over the place. She she works hard every darn day, and she's joining us from the road. Selena, great talking to you again. Great to talk to you, too, but I have to correct you on one thing. I'm not anymore but i am at the pittsburgh post gazette so we can ah. just trade one for the other trade one for the well the pittsburgh post gazette you were there for years anyway so this is really no uh, i was yeah. at the pittsburgh trip I oh that's right you were the pittsburgh, pittsburgh tribune review that's right not the post gazette oh that's interesting i, I guess i didn't i know i can be that interesting little person yeah ah, yeah you're you're doing all right see you're <laughs> just you're making the rounds this is great you know you're making all the journalistic <laughs> rounds and get making you're making people you're making people miss you and, and at the same time still be able to access uh your writing this is all terrific stuff <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on. <laughs> oh man, it's great! It's great talking to you. You know, we just don't do this often enough, and uh, you know, I miss when I don't well, get a chance to talk to you. Well, we just need to make it a thing. It needs to be like a thing. Every it, week we talk. I think it needs to be a I'll thing, make, and we'll, I'll, we'll, we'll work I'll on make that. Cookies. We'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> this is sounding better all the time. I'm really now. I'm really <laughs> excited. All right, Selena. Got lots to talk about. I want to talk about uh, Joe Biden's uh, Versailles problem. I want to talk about. Um, uh, I want to talk about uh, John Fetterman. But the very first thing that we got to talk about is Mitch Trubisky. Really, Mitch Trubisky? What in the hell? <laughs> well, oh, you know. Okay, it took me a second to even sort of like process that because <laughs> I haven't even watched the Steelers, um, with the exception of watching Ben's last game uh, yeah. since 2016. I, I am one of those people. Now, yeah, as you as, as y'all know, uh, I cover politics, right? So the last thing I want 
in the places where I seek respite, where I seek entertainment, where I seek enjoyment, then I want them flooded with politics. And right. the NFL went there, and I went out the door. I was like, that's it. I'm done. Done. I'm just done. Well, I'm back because it got a little. It got somewhat better, but unfortunately, the Steelers didn't. And you say you haven't watched the Steelers since uh, Big Ben's last game. I'm here to tell you, you haven't missed much. Now, they actually did have a really interesting finale to a game last week where neither team, neither the Cincinnati Bengals nor the Pittsburgh Steelers could figure out whether or not they wanted to win a game. So they went all the way through an overtime before they figured it out. But um, I, did have the, uh, I did have the experience of watching yesterday's mediocrity from, from the Steelers and you're not missing much. All right, so I just I wanted to throw that one. Yeah, no, well, well, well. I, I look. My problem with the Steelers, outside of the NFL getting like super hyped up with politics, um, which is why I haven't watched since 2016. Um, my problem with the Steelers, I believe, is probably remained in that um, um, Mike Tomlin has has been. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. What I am saying is, is because he's almost same age or maybe now a little older than the players he's too much of their buddy and less than their coach and when you don't command i mean chuck Knoll or uh bill cower will remind you that he's coach they reminded you there was no friendship there right and because of that there's no sort of line there i don't think he's a good coach yeah i, I mean I, he might he might be a better coach down the road um but he's just, yeah, I, I, I got to agree with you. I think, I think there's, a, there's a coaching hurdle here. He's a good coach, but not a great coach. And I think that, yeah. and I think he has problems getting his team um, in, in, that proper, in that proper relationship. All right. Um, right, because they're buddies. That's right. You can't be their buddies. I have trolled you long enough on the Steelers. So now let's talk about what you're actually working on, all that great work you're actually doing. And I want to talk I want to start with the Fetterman campaign because I think that Democrats are really going sideways here on John Fetterman. I you know, I don't think that Mehmet Oz is a great candidate for the Republicans, but at least he's comprehensible. And I think Democrats are starting to realize that they've got a real problem with Fetterman, and I'm not sure that they have a way to solve it unless he, unless he heals up really fast, and I don't see that happening either. Well, I I just watched 14 minutes of him doing his job as lieutenant governor for the first time since May, and it made me so uncomfortable. He's really, really bad, and it's yeah. quite sad. And it's quite sad that people have allowed him to put, put be put in this position. Uh, it's it's just it's sort of tragic, and and he he had to have an aide to help him with the pledge of allegiance. Uh, he was closed captioned the entire time, and he was doing a Ron Burgundy where he was saying like interrupt clerk pauses here like. Yeah, and and so I, I you know, I, I'm going to quibble with you on Oz. Um, I've been I've spent thousands of miles with him, gone to almost every county in the state. Um, he has proved to be a very good campaigner. 
Interesting. He does all the things he's supposed to do. He meets with editorial boards of small newspapers. He goes to county fairs. He just jumps out of the car and starts talking to people. He's spontaneous like that. He goes to farms. He goes to, I mean, he's been everywhere. He's been absolutely everywhere. Unfortunately for him, I've just about been the only reporter covering it. Right. Now, John Fetterman has a hiccup, and 32 reporters are, are there from all the national news organizations. And so I think that's why you probably have this perception that he's not doing much, but I will tell you that actually isn't the case. Uh, and he has turned out to be a very good campaigner. And here's what I think, here is his quality that that I think makes him a good candidate. He is curious. Uh, and, and what do I mean by that? So when he's with people and he doesn't you know, know exactly what they do or, or doesn't have an understanding of what, what their town is like, he peppers them with important, the, the kinds of questions that draw up out a connection and a relationship with the voter. And that is a quality that I don't see a lot of with candidates. You know, and he also never says, I, I did this, I did that, I'm this, I'm that. He's always talking about what the person does. And I find that uh, voters have found that to be um, very refreshing, and they uh, have connected with him over his, his, his ability to actually be a very good candidate. And that's probably the reason why we're seeing the polls tighten up as much as they are in Pennsylvania. I mean, this is... Also, probably because we're they're starting to poll likely voters, apply likely voter, uh, you know, models to these polls, but um, yeah. but this is you know, I think part of the thing with Oz was this is that when he first started out, and I'm talking about when he was going up against McCormick, and maybe a little bit after the after the primary, you know, there was he was still trying to you know, he got the sense that this was a guy who was still learning the ropes a little bit, which he would, because this is his first political oh, yeah. campaign, right? And yes, he made a lot of stumbles. Yeah, but he's learning, and that's that's the trick. And this is the this is the right. home stretch. So, yeah, if you stumble out of the gate, sometimes that's enough to, to lose. But I think in this situation here, I think, you know, Fetterman's going to have a real problem. I mean, they we're still talking about doing debates, right? And he's not going to do a debate until, what, the last week of October – and early voting starts when? End of the month here? Today. today. Oh, today. Yeah, well, you know, today's yeah. the 19th. So, so we don't yeah. have traditional early voting, like you go into a place and vote. We have, uh, you can get your, you can pick up your mail-in ballot. Right. Um, but today, what happened today at this, on the Senate floor was just sort of gutting. If anybody saw that had, and had any sort of skepticism that that Fetterman is not up to the job they can't look at that with a straight face and say oh he's fine he'll be fine yeah yeah I haven't he's seen it yet fine. I got I gotta look this up I haven't seen it yet but I'll send it to you it literally just posted um and it's you can just find it on the Pennsylvania Senate um website but it is remarkably uncomfortable yeah and and here's you know, I, this is the thing that the question that I've been asking myself this entire time is that Democrats had to know Selena 
that this was going to oh, be a knew. problem, right? They knew. Why didn't they, they intercede? They... I mean, you've got Connor Lamb, who certainly, I mean, he didn't win the primary, but he certainly would have been an effective candidate for them. I mean, did they think that they could just slide on this? Or were they were they fooled by Fetterman's family into thinking that no, Fetterman was going they to were not. Okay. No, so what's, they the, were what's, not what's the story on that? Well, because the only person that can take Fetterman out of this is Fetterman. Well, yeah. That was, that's, yeah. That's the challenge. And you, 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 you got to trust me in that Democrats have tried. Oh, is that right? That's interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they behind the scenes, you know, but, you know, the only person that can take him out of it is is um, is is Fetterman. And 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 with and and they can't do anything about it. So they have, you know, there's there are flawed candidates and then there are candidates that are impaired. And and I you know, I understand he had a stroke. It's extraordinarily tragic. I've known John since 2006. Right. Uh, you know, you get to know people as you cover them. And this is very sad with a, with a man and a wife that have three young children. Um, however, I think they are doing him a disservice. I'm not even going to blame him. I think his campaign team and his family is doing him a disservice. Exactly. Um, by by not being honest, but also they're doing the voters a disservice by not being transparent about his condition. Yeah. Look, you know, Arlen Specter was our U.S. senator in Pennsylvania forever. He had a brain aneurysm. He had a triple bypass heart surgery. He had Hodgkin's disease twice. Yeah. And you know what? Every time he was sick, there was a doctor standing there. Um, giving the press and giving the voters exquisite details, sometimes details you didn't even want to know. And 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 some, uh, Bob Casey, our governor for for two terms, had a liver and heart transplant. Yeah. So it is not unprecedented in our state to have an elected official. Um, to be impaired, what is unprecedented in our state is that they're not being transparent about it. Right. And they're not being honest about it. I mean, they've been saying no. this was minor, that this was, this was you know, this was just a, a little hiccup. And, you know, we've had, we've had people who've had strokes before. I'm trying to think of, is it um, um, Senator Lujan from uh, from New Mexico, who was out for a few weeks, came back, seemed to be fine, and seems and still seems to be fine. And so, you know, you look at that and say, well, look, I mean, it's possible that there aren't things that are, you know, that there are. Um, this is a stroke that wasn't that significant, and that's what people were thinking in May when the when the family was saying, oh, look, he's fine. We're just going to take a, a little time off the campaign trail, make sure he gets some, a chance to rest up, and we'll be back. Well, clearly, he's not fine. Clearly, they've been lying about this, uh, and Fetterman's yes. still lying about this. I don't even know if I can blame him. I think I have to blame the people around him. Well, right, because, because you have to wonder how, how you have to wonder how much agency he actually has in this, especially when you hear him talk. I mean, it just you have oh, to wonder uh, how much he's last, making these decisions. Yeah, yeah. After this last thing that I just watched, um, I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's, I don't think... I mean, that's leading to all sorts of questions, right, Selena, about pushing him through like this as a way to just basically have Chuck Schumer control his vote. This is not somebody who, I mean, just honestly speaking, this is not somebody who can contribute to uh, an extensive discussion or debate about policy. This is somebody who's just going to be casting a vote based on what, you know, in part, I guess, on what people, you know, tell them to do. Yeah. That's not good. No. You know, it's the most deliberate body in in our our government, and it requires a, an extraordinary amount of of communication and detail, and that is not something that he appears to have. No. No. The ability to. It's, it's untru- it, it, yeah. Sadly. Yeah. This is a guy who really should be resting. This is a guy who shouldn't be put well, under stress. Well, that's the other thing. That's, that's the other thing. I can't even imagine the amount of stress it's causing him. Yeah. It, this it, can't be good for his health. It cannot be good for his health. This is not good for his health. And just on a humanitarian basis, I think it's I think it's it's unfortunate if Pennsylvania doesn't allow the the, the party to intercede. I I wasn't clear on that, so I actually wasn't sure how much control they would have. But I suspected that, that it might be that the candidate himself would have to agree to this before you could replace him. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. This is something that should have been done three months ago. Have, have him withdraw, have yeah. the party select another nominee, and have a real debate on, on, the, on the policies and the issues that matter to Pennsylvanians. Pennsylvania yeah. deserves a senator that not just represents their views, but also is capable of of handling the job. I mean, and both of those things have to be in place. And if they don't have I mean, an option a, for yeah. that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we have a history of having these great U.S. senators. Arlen Specter, you, Scott, who was the guy that told Nixon, uh, yeah, we're not backing you anymore, so you need to resign. You know, I mean, these are formidable, robust um, uh, lawmakers, and th- that is not what what um, what Fetterman is capabilities are presenting. Right, that's exactly right. All right, so Selena, that's that's the one story I wanted to talk to you about, but I also wanted to talk about the the Versailles uh, piece that you wrote because I found that really interesting. Because I got to tell you. Apparently, I have a problem, too, because when I read that, I read it as Versailles. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's good. I'm thinking, you were, just from the headline, right? I, I saw the headline. I thought, I got to read this because this is going to be fun. This is going to be about, you know, uh, a Marie, you know Joe Biden's Marie Antoinette-ish type of, you know, let them drive electric vehicles thing. The, 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 the thing from the um, 60 Minutes interview yesterday where he says, oh, inflation was only an inch. That, that didn't hurt anybody. Yeah. Right. I thought that's what that was. This was going to be about. Yours is actually a lot more interesting, and it's not Versailles. <laughs> it's Versailles. It's, and- <laughs> it's Versailles. Um, uh, so there's a Versailles, Pennsylvania. There's one in Kentucky. There's one in Ohio. There's one in Indiana. Uh, the pronounced Versailles mainly because of uh, the early Scots-Irish uh, uh, settlers 
the Scots had a tendency to overemphasize um, the second syllable and not the first. Uh, but I suspect, and this is just speculation, that it also has to do with nothing in America was going to ever replicate Versailles, which was the most extravagant palace uh, um, in in Paris. And as as you point out, Marie Antoinette, King Louis, they kind of lost their heads. They were very out of touch with, with their people. And my point was that Joe Biden thinks he's governing Versailles rather than Versailles. And, and the people that placed him in office are the people that live in towns like Versailles, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky. Uh, maybe not those exact voters, but he would not have, have won had he not got enough working class voters from right. Pennsylvania and um, specifically Pennsylvania. And from the inflation uh, you know, and, and like the thing that really got under my skin was watching him having that event in the South Lawn and everyone's partying up about this Inflation right. Reduction Act that doesn't, doesn't reduce inflation, so it's BS from the onset. But also it's at the same time when the Dow drops almost 1,300 points, that means our pensions, that means our savings, right? But also that, you know, he poo-poos uh, the, the, the inflationary costs that are cost, costing the average American the cost of a Mercedes every month, over $450 a month more than we paid a year ago. Yep. And, and it's just stunning to me. And then he has this event in Detroit, and he goes on an electric Cadillac, which costs $62,000, 62990 because you know how car dealers always make it 990 right, at the right. end. Yeah, right, yeah. And he's lecturing everyone about using uh, electric cars in a zip code where the average medium um, uh, 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 um, a wage is 32000 a year. Please stop. Just, just stop. You're so disconnected from everybody. I, you know, he's even disconnected from the event itself. I mean, whose idea was it to have to drag James Taylor up there of all people? You know, if you're gonna do, if you're gonna, if you're gonna have a celebration, get the whatever the remainder of Earth, Wind, and Fire is, and do celebrate, right? You know, something like that. Instead, he's got James right. Taylor up there doing a song about suicide and um, and his band breaking up. I mean, <laughs> I, I have. Like, oh my God! What, what, what is he? It's, it's just I, I, I'm stunned at at how disconnected. You know, I wrote this piece back when when um, when Biden was running. He had he had made this trip from Delaware County to Pittsburgh, and I said, you know, for an extra two and a half hours, take the back road. Don't fly and see what's going on in this country. Yep. Um, and, you know, I took, as, as always, um, it, you know, I, I took a lot of flack for that. But it turns out that ends up being exactly what his problem is. Yeah, it is. I mean, and this is a guy who sold himself as Scranton Joe, right? Still sells himself as Scranton Joe. I'm Scranton Joe. I'm just an ordinary guy from Scranton, PA, you know, and and 
He's out there dancing on the grave of the economy as Wall Street loses 1,300 points. Now, and, and you got to, I mean, we got to talk about the, the original error of this, right? Which is to schedule this thing on the day that the Consumer Price Index report was going to come out. I mean, this is not a mystery, yeah. right? This is not a mystery. Right. These are scheduled. We knew that, you know, last Wednesday, or last Tuesday, excuse me, that you're going to see the, you know, you're going to see the Consumer Price Index report because it's scheduled to come out that day. And that's the day that they decide to hold the Inflation Reduction Act celebration without ha apparently having a clue as to what that report was going to say and how it was going to impact the markets. I mean, that is sheer stupidity. This is, I, I don't know how, I don't know a better example of this White House and Joe Biden playing checkers in a three-dimensional chess world than, than that decision, that decision alone. Yeah, hold it the day before, right? Get your celebration right. out of the way, then then you can then you can withstand the report. But to hold it, I, I, I mean, I just that to me was absolutely stunning that they had decided to do that. Hold that celebration just literally like six hours after the report was due to come out, and I knew it was going to be bad. I it couldn't be good. I mean, if you knew what the fundamentals were, you knew that report was going to be bad, and nobody at this White House, Selena, seemed to give a damn. No, they don't. That's why they are Versailles. Exactly. Exactly. That's that part, is why that's they're Versailles. Of your, your column. Yeah. They're Versailles rather than I mean, Versailles. That, yeah. They are Versailles. They don't care what, what the little people think. They, they, they laugh, literally laugh in their faces. That 60-minute interview should make every Democrat say, oh, sweet, fancy Moses, we are in trouble. Because this guy is has all the wrong messages. Yeah, he's. I, I mean, I don't know how you could message that worse than what they did last week, including the James Taylor thing, which was just fire and rain. Didn't anybody listen to the lyrics of that? Didn't anybody like? This is like this is like deciding that you're gonna you're gonna sing Lola at a um, at a family values concert. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> I have this story of a, a friend of mine, right, who I was working with him. We were both like 18 years old, 18, 19 years old, you know, and, and he's singing this song. And I said, you know what that song's about, right? He says, no. He says, it's about a girl named Lola. I said, no, it's about a guy named Lola. He goes, no, it's not. <laughs> and I had to, I mean, this is, this is before Google, right? This is before the internet. I actually had to sit there and sing every single word of the lyrics because I knew the lyrics to it <laughs> in order to... Oh, demonstrate to him what my. the song was actually about. And I mean, it was no big deal. We were laughing and, you know, but I mean, it would be like, it would be like asking, you know, one of the, one of the surviving kinks to sing Lola at your family values uh, celebration. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> maybe you should do your homework, man. Oh, my stars. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Ah, yeah. So, um, so you saw his, you saw his, um, interview, right? You, I mean, you took a look at, or, or, or at least you've read reports of it, right? Uh, of the Biden interview. Yeah. The 60 minutes interview. Yeah. Yeah. That was very uncomfortable to watch. Wasn't it? Uh, it was, it was really, it, 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 it's very much like Fetterman in yes. that you, you want to say, why are y'all letting this 
guy do this because he's really struggling. Uh, and, and it just makes you super uncomfortable because he, he's, he, I mean, I, I, how many, how many things did he say in, the, in that speech that he had, you know, the White House had to clean up within the next five minutes? Oh, well, there was Taiwan, there was the pandemic, there was, I mean, Taiwan especially, though. I mean, and yeah, it's not the first like time the with Taiwan. Time. Yeah. It's like the 19th time that they've had to clean that up. Yeah. I mean, when it's... you keep making that same mistake like 19 times, there's a problem. Well, what I noticed in this, and I didn't watch it end to end, right? I've watched clips and I've seen clips of this, which, you know, just because I wasn't going to spend my Sunday night watching Joe Biden on TV. But what comes across to me is that this is a guy who's really slowed up. And, and, and I, I'm glad that you raised the Fetterman thing because I think it applies here too, is that he's just not up to this job. He isn't, right. he isn't, up, to, he isn't up to the nuances of this job. He's not up to the rigors of the intellectual rigors of this job. And I mean, my feeling about Joe Biden is he was never up to the intellect. Even when he was a younger guy, he wasn't up to the intellectual rigors of this. But, right. but it's worse now. Uh, because of his age and um, the fact that he is just physically, I, I mean, just he, it, it looks like he's wandering around aimlessly when he's walking with Scott Pelley. He just has that odd look on his face. And, you know, for those of us who've had elderly relatives, it kind of looks a little familiar. Well, we know that look. Yeah. Right. We, yep. we know that look and, um, and, and we, don't want to see that look in the man who's leading the most important country in the world. Right. It's exactly. Uh, you know, just think of our, our position globally, but also just as ourselves within ourselves. And, and we have a lot of crises going on right now. And, and we also have worldwide crises, Ukraine and Russia, China, uh, you know, I, I swear every time I read anything about Greece and Turkey, I feel like they're going to go to war. Uh, and and so there are a lot of problems going on out there. And and we we're supposed to be we're supposed to be led from the top uh, in terms of being capable of managing them. And I think he proved to be incapable of managing serious things. And, you know, and I'll just go back to Afghanistan and, yep. and how tragically and horribly that happened and unfolded. And by the way, the tragedies haven't ended. There are thousands and thousands of fixers over there and translators and people who had the backs of our men and women in the, in the military. And we have left them behind. Yep. We, we, we have left them behind. And that is, a, a stain on our country's reputation. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. It is absolutely uh, despicable what happened with what happened with that. And um, Selena, I know that we're just about out of time here, but I think that that's a, I think that's a good final point on which to rest this. But I do want you to tell people how they can find you, where they can, where they can find you, and uh, where you're going next. What, what are you going to be doing next? <laughs> Um, probably just Pennsylvania and Ohio because both are really intense. Uh, 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 you, uh, everyone can find me at selenazito.com, S-A-L-E-N-A-Z-I-T-O. You can sign up for the emails. They're free, they're fun, and they're not fattening. 
and uh, and uh, but if you follow me on Instagram, um, you will see a lot of fattening things. Uh, I am not on Twitter because that's where your soul goes to die, and I refuse to hold on to my soul. Uh, and and I hope people um, jump on and read some of the work I've been doing. Well, they should. And selenazito.com is where you can just you just go there, and it's a one-stop shop for every place that Selena is at. And uh, Selena, thanks so much for joining us. And we will work on doing this as on a weekly or, or you know, semi-weekly basis so that we can hear yeah. more from you. I, I, I just I miss some, you so much. I don't get I like to have some middle of the of somewhere reports. I just did an interview with Nikki Haley on the road. Wow. I was out in South Dakota with. Um, with Governor Kristi Noem. I was in Illinois uh, following a congressional candidate in a Dem seat that I think the Republicans are going to take. I was in um, Missouri, but I'm in Pennsylvania and Ohio a lot right now. Yeah, next time we get you on, we're going to talk about Ohio. We haven't had a chance to talk about Ohio yet. We're going to talk more about Ohio. That's an important uh, That's an important race out there, the Senate race, also the gubernatorial race, although I think Mike DeWine's got that pretty much in hand. Uh, but, oh, yeah, uh, he's got that locked up. Yeah. He's yeah. fine. I, I also think J.D. Vance is just fine. Well, people I, underestimate I think people are just how. I think people are just misreading, misreading the moment. The elector, you know what I want to talk about next week? Next time we, we talk is the electoral context. Um, yeah, because I think that, well, I think it's a distraction campaign, but I've kept you long enough, and selenazito.com is where where you can go. Thanks so much for being with us today, Selena. Thanks for having me. Thank you for watching or listening to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. You can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and through the Town Hall Media Player, or you can just come to hotair.com and watch my podcast for free. However, I'd also love to have you join us as members of our VIP and VIP Gold programs. That allows us to defeat the stranglehold that big tech has on information and get you the best information that we possibly can. Plus, we have a lot of new value-added content coming to us from Town Hall Media uh, stars and my good friend Adam Baldwin. He and I are doing the video series, The Amiable Skeptics. It's one hour of discussion a week strictly for our VIP and VIP Gold members. Plus, we have our VIP Gold chat with Kim Edwards every Wednesday afternoon at 1.30 p.m. We'd love to have you as members. Be sure to join up. Thanks again for watching the Ed Morrissey Show podcast.